fellow disasters, just before this episode gets started, wanted to jump in with a quick content warning for mentions of domestic violence, sexual assault, and themes of a disturbing nature. If this is the type of content that you find triggering or uncomfortable to listen to, then feel free to skip this and listen to some of our other episodes. We'll also be linking to resources that can help if you or someone else that you know is experiencing any of the things mentioned in this episode. Thanks. Fellow disasters, and welcome back to another episode of Really Bitch. Mm. I'm Naomi, and I'm Wombat. <laughs> and today we're talking about something depressing again. <laughs> but it's not funny, is it? <laughs> no. Um, um, basically, there's just been some rumblings and some new updates uh, regarding Marilyn Manson and all the legal stuff. Mm. So we thought we'd go through it because the last update, I mean, when we first talked about it, is a while ago. Yeah, that was when the story first broke out. Yeah. Um, about the allegations. Because we had um, Renee Brown on the episode, uh, which was amazing. It was great. Um, Who's worked in the sort of the festival side of things. Yeah, the music industry. Yeah, Um, she she came on the episode onto the pod uh, to kind of share the perspectives of, you know, how I guess the festival scene is trying to introduce safeguarding policies to ensure that women are safe in Mm. you know the festival environments because of course yeah yeah and she just gave us a bit of an insight as to how behaviors um like what manson has been accused of doing can be sort of uh brushed under the rug Mm, um so really good insight there yeah. Uh, but yeah, so this time around, we finally watched the Phoenix Rising documentary um, led by Evan Rachel Wood mm. and Ilma Gore. It's a two-part series. Um, yeah, about- I think each episode is about an hour and a half, yeah. roughly, runtime. Hefty and- boys. And yeah, so the documentary was on HBO Max. And as Nomi said, it sort of chronicles... Evan Rachel Wood specifically from, well, it goes back to, she kind of details her experience when she was in the relationship with Manson, how it sort of came about. And then up until when she actually decides to publicly name him. Mm. So it kind of gives you a linear timeline of, of how it all sort of comes to be. So in 2018, Evan Rachel Wood testified in front of Congress to get the statute of limitations extended, which we now know as the Phoenix Act. Um, And she went in depth about her personal experiences. So they started dating when she turned 18. She was a literal teenager and he was nearly 40. Yeah. That's wild. He was 37, I think, at the time. Disgusting. Yeah. And yeah, so it... The documentary follows that entire timeline and... They kind of skim over it. It would have been, because we spoke about it afterwards, and we think it would have been nice 
or better if she had shown more of that campaign and like talked to uh, Abu. Talked. <laughs> I'm Canadian now. Talked more about um, that side of things and how they got the Phoenix Act. Um, yeah, to come I through. I thought the documentary was more. Well, I knew it was obviously going to detail her time with Manson, but I think it would have been yeah a lot more interesting. It would I have guess. been insightful, insightful to sort of understand how the Phoenix Act came to be, and yeah, because they didn't. They kind of, yeah, they really, they sort of touched on it, but they didn't go into detail. I thought that was really interesting, the legal aspects of mm. it. I also understand why they wouldn't do that because it can be quite convoluted and there's a lot of things to go down, um, which would probably go over a lot of people's heads and you want to keep that audience. You don't want to alienate an audience by, you know, going into legal speak that many people might not really understand but I I don't I think you could still do it in a way that is um you know easily understandable Mm. um it's more I think it was more looking into obviously we know why she started the phoenix act Mm -hmm. and I think it was more just the back end of everything like how she came about you know going to all these different um meetings and going to meet with lawyers or people in congress um yeah and talking about her experiences and obviously other survivors as well um, yeah. going and talking about their experiences yeah. um which really helped push it so just as a reminder before the phoenix act the statute of limitations uh was 3 years yeah two to Three years, um, and in some cases, what was it? I can't remember off the top of my head. But for some cases, it was one year. Yeah. Um, just based on certain circumstances, mm. I can't remember off the top of my head. But um, yeah, let's let's say one to three years. Yeah, to be able to confront your abuser and take him to court, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um. Which is funny because in the documentary they spoke about how um, studies have shown scientifically uh, it takes people seven to ten years Mm. to be able to do something like that. Yeah, yeah. So that's what the Phoenix Act was hoping for. They were hoping to extend the statute of limitations to seven to ten years, but there had to be a compromise and I think they landed on five, Mm. Um, which Mm. was... You know, it's better than nothing. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, yeah. it might have been like five to seven years or something like that. Um, uh, You know, it's better than nothing. And these things are really slow and they need to go through a lot of hurdles. So it yeah. was still a win. Yeah, no. I, you know what? I think that part of the documentary was what I found to be the most, like, emotive. Like, I felt that viscerally. You know, the, mm. there's a part where after they kind of they they give the ruling Mm. that it's passed and she says that obviously in that moment she kind of go after she'd given her statement yeah detailing her abuse she kind of mentally checked out you know she went into a very sort of disassociative yeah state. state um and so she didn't even realize that it had passed yeah, and, and there's then, footage of her like turning back 
um to the other survivors in a team yeah and they tell her you know it's past and she's immediately like gets up and starts crying and they're all hugging each other that that for me like even talking about it makes me i can it was just so you can just see how much emotional labor these Mm. these women had gone through to kind of push this forward and to see that all that work pay off yeah it's it's just so it was really really moving and yes agreed but it's it's still a little it's still a little disheartening purely because i mean she's made it very clear when she does these statements and when she was first going to congress in like 2018 and stuff that passing the act the phoenix act wouldn't help her case or the people in the in a similar situation um who have been through that but it will help people after her and people nowadays which is really that is very harrowing but it's still quite fuck man that that's that's a bit shit yeah yeah she's never she's never i mean can you get closure really from an abuser no (laughs) No. i don't think you can but i think you know the fact that she's she's done all this work to ensure that women after her are able to have that chance I think is what's really amazing. Mm, so I thought that part of the documentary was really interesting and yeah. really, really moving. I will say, I think the documentary as a whole was quite insightful. There were some parts of it where it felt, in particular, I think they go into Evan Rachel Wood's past in terms of her parents' marriage and her mm. family upbringing because... I almost feel like it was preemptive. Like that's the kind of thing that uh, Manson supporters would trudge up. Do you know what I mean? Like, well, your dad was X, Y, and Z. So it's clear. I think even actually one of the critiques of the documentary itself was saying that, oh, it's clear she has daddy issues. Okay. okay. What does that have to do with anything? That, those two are irrelevant. They're not. They're not. Oh, what? Because you have daddy issues, that means you should be abused, girl. That doesn't make any sense. But also, it it you know, in those certain situations where you are looking for a paternal figure, yeah, it can it can actually, if anything, make you more susceptible to abusive relationships. Yeah, because and also being abused by older men because you are seeking mm. that sort of you know comfort security in someone who's older and you look to them in a paternal way and then they turn mm. around and you know yeah. become gross but i will say the parts about the parents marriage was very it was done in a very interesting way. I don't think it was necessarily beneficial to the documentary itself. In Be- what in what sense? I felt like there were moments where they really skimmed past a lot of things and they omitted yeah. a lot of stuff. Yeah. I, I, I get I get what you mean. Like they talk about well, they skimmed very lightly. Um, when she was quite young, her and her brother, um, they would, she cited this one time where her parents, their marriage increasingly got more and more toxic. They were screaming at each other. Um, hints of violence in the home, but not explicitly said by who. Yeah, that, yeah, that was the thing. It was like, um, 
they she would she said you know oh I realized I grew up in an abusive household mm, which kind of set her up to be with Manson someone like Manson yeah which in that sense I understand the context yes, yeah but it just felt very weird in some ways yeah, considering both her parents were in it yeah both her parents are in the documentary and the way they allude to it to me suggests that it was the father that was abusive yeah um i'm not just saying that because he's a man it's just the way it was it's hinted set up. Yeah. yeah but again it's it they kind of like tiptoe around it they don't really flat out say which is i guess it's really um, but- difficult because she's clearly she had a very strange relationship with her dad and that's somewhat come to a point where they've they've found some sort of closure and yes. repaired that relationship. Yes, and I do think there was this um very short subplot of him getting this um redemption arc yes that's exactly i feel like they were trying to set him up for that because now that their relationship is fine it's a bit awkward yeah do you know what i mean yeah like, it would be awkward. and i think again like what i said what i meant by oh it, it seemed preemptive as if they were they knew that this could be a potential f- oh, criticism okay. where people would trudge up well your dad was abused you know people will fucking find anything just to yeah, prove yeah, their yeah. point you know um so that for me that part just felt very it, it just felt so vague on purpose yeah, and I kind of felt like if you're not going to really address it head on, just don't include it from like my perspective. I think you could have said, could have touched on. To, okay, so this is just me coming from it in terms of as a documentary. I would have, if I was the director, I would have suggested not even including the parents as part of the documentary. Yeah, see, I think they wanted to include the parents, which is why they had to make it, you know, not too not too much. They had to get it to a point where people weren't going to say bad shit about each other and, you know, slander the family name. Yeah. So there's a fine line to walk there because I think they wanted to include the parents because they're also witnesses and testimonies from how she was before and after and and during the relationship with Manson. Yeah, yeah. But I think it kind of crosses, it it just, it was a bit murky in some areas. Yeah, I agree with you, yeah. So it doesn't, it, yeah, it felt very, it just felt very weird in some areas Mm. when they would talk about it and be like, you know... I my I had a very difficult relationship with my dad, but you know, like my dad has really done know, the work re- now. Yeah. Well, there was one point that stuck out to me. Well, to both of us, really, because we kept going on about it. Um, there was a point where you know, in when she was really on the deep end with Manson, and she was com- like considering suicide and the first person she called to try and talk her down from it was her dad and he because he was the closest because he was the closest uh, physically location wise um to come get her and he flat out was like uh yeah i'm doing a play you'll be fine and hung up yeah and it was really weird because when they (laughs) then they to to your point about them 
trying to give him some sort of a redemption arc, I guess. Um, to kind of, to almost just be like, hey, 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 no, it's fine though. It's fine because yeah, he's yeah. better now. It's it's okay. Yeah, he's, he's there for her now. Yeah, we don't need to focus on it too much. We just wanted to like touch on it so y'all knew, but we don't want to, you know. Yeah. Um, was the bit where he talks about how he had open heart surgery. Yeah, yeah. And then the first people there without question was Evan and, and her his brother. son, yeah. Um, I forget his name. Ira. Ira very cool name um and then he's like and that that's when i realized what she was going through at that time and how i should have reacted and yeah. it just felt very i don't know it's me- like oh wow you can't imagine because he 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 went on to explain how he didn't understand where she was coming from at that time because he'd never been at that point in his life yeah where he was contemplating just ending it all um which is okay i understand if you don't get it but if your child is on the phone to you saying i'm i'm gonna kill myself right now Mm. do you think it's funny is this a joke where's the punchline is it death is death the the punchline yeah it's like oh it's not serious enough until she kills herself and then you're like oh Oh she, wait! She meant it. Oh fuck! Yeah, that was that. That's what was weird to me because anyone with an ounce of empathy or, or sympathy would understand if someone's reaching out to you at the lowest of their low, and mm. you don't take them seriously. I'm surprised. I'm surprised she still has a relationship with him, to be honest. But <laughs> I, I, I understand why, and it, I'm, I'm happy that it's been repaired. But it's crazy that he was only able to understand it once he went through a different situation where he needed his family yeah and they showed where up he was in a vulnerable state yeah basically. where they showed up but he didn't do the same yeah in yeah. his ripe old, mind you in his ripe old age yeah as a parent in his yeah. ripe old age yeah i know that really- was surprising like to me i was a bit mm. yeah i just felt there were just some moments in the documentary as well the first episode i really liked yeah yeah, the, even the first episode, I felt like there were some moments where it kind of lost me. And I think that's when it was talking about the parents in particular. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and the second episode, again, there were moments where I was saying to Nomi, felt, and I know it's a documentary at the end of the day, so it is going to feel, it is scripted to an extent. Mm-mm. But it felt, very blatantly scripted in the second episode towards the second half the end half yeah i agree and a lot of it felt like she was just constantly crying where in reality i'm sure she was i'm sure yes you're gonna have yeah especially as you're asked to talk about certain things that those emotions will come out and i completely understand that but it definitely felt like a creative choice to have them back to back like that and to have it as like a they were almost shoehorning that emotion in there yeah there was one moment as well for me that i found very uncomfortable and again felt so because okay as a documentary right (laughs) this is just like film student vibes but just from as a documentary you want it to feel as authentic as possible. That's the yes. whole point of it. You're meant to catch them in moments. You're you're almost an observer. That's how it's supposed to look like. It's not that you're... And you'll have those cutaways where you talk to the camera. Mm. But there were moments where 
it just felt really disingenuous in some areas and there was one moment in the first episode that I found very odd and I don't know if you'll agree with me on this but I it just stood out to me that I was kind of unsure about it was when Evan Rachel Wood is talking to Ilma Gore Mm. uh, who is essentially her you know campaign partner for the phoenix act yeah and they're really good friends yeah friends and also she is a victim and they're talking evan rachel wood is talking about even their interactions felt very scripted in some instances yeah Yeah, i get what you mean it would it would almost be like the director would come in and be like okay ilma it'd be really great here if you could ask Evan how she attempted to kill herself, what she tried. Because they're talking about it and it seems like they're in conversation. Yeah, and then, then she turns yeah. around and she's like, how did you try and kill yourself again? And it's very, it just, it's moments like that. It kind of took you out of it. It took me out of yeah. it. Or when Evan Rachel Wood is going through her past journals oh. and it goes to the point where she has written oh you know that she's met manson yeah 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 and it that whole interaction was very odd to me like between her and ilma and ilma would be like you you know when like evan rachel wood would be like oh i can't i just reading that makes me feel so gross and then ilma would be like yeah but it'll it'll all come out now don't worry and it's just little moments like that i'm like i can see why they're doing it because it serves this the narrative of the entire documentary, which is why she hasn't named him thus far Mm. and all the work that has gone into sort of improving the statute of limitations all the legal work that they've been doing together. And it keeps on going back to that point, that touchstone of I haven't named him and this is a constant criticism that I'm getting and maybe now I need to, I've, yeah. I've, I've run out of options. And so the documentary of ends with Evan Rachel Wood posting um, on her Instagram, yeah, the, the statement, statement, which names Marilyn Manson as her abuser. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's how it ends. And it's, yeah. yeah, yeah. So what I liked about the documentary was the when they're talking about obviously a lot of it's to do with Manson but it's specifically you know how they how they met and then how their relationship started um the details of the abuse um because mm. it really you really get an inside uh, an insight into how fucked up he is i think the one bit that was really visceral to me was um when they're talking about the heart-shaped glasses video. Disgusting. The music video. So I can't remember if we talked about it much in our first, in the first part mm. of this episode, essentially. You know, we've talked about how one of his methods is essentially plying them with drugs and alcohol. At yeah. one point, I think she said he was mixing her drugs with meth. Uh, that and was she, later down the line and she had no idea she had no idea she'd never been on meth before but she, she started was, getting scabs on her skin and picking yeah, at her skin yeah she basically turned into a junkie yeah she was without without realizing without re- which is scary that That's is so scary. scary and um 
she was completely out of it really on so for the heart shape music video heart shape glasses um so there was a whole team there yeah a whole set yeah and they knew wasn't she a teenager she was a teen she was 18 at that time she was 18 at the time of this video and in a country the us of a where it's illegal to drink below the age of 21 yeah yeah and you have all these adults surrounding her with cameras yeah yeah. All of these assistants. Yeah. She is clearly off her nut. Well, this is the thing, because she even said it was one of, to this day, one of the most unprofessional environments that she'd been yeah. in. Because there was, in the script, there was going to be a simulated sex scene. Yeah. Which quickly and, yeah. devolved into a real sex scene. She was essentially raped, raped on camera. On camera which was horrific and then and, yeah and the, and the whole public the public saw it oh god that's uh. that's really gross i remember watching that music video when i was must have been like 14 or something and now to think that it was rape oh, on screen that's disgusting Ugh, that's vile. so gross it's actually like blood curdling to even know that do you know then, what I mean? Yeah, and um, as their relation, I mean that wasn't even the worst of it for me. I mean that that is a, a complete um tact of humiliation to make sure that mentally blackmail. it's blackmail as yeah. well. Mentally, he he was trying to ruin her reputation so yeah. that she would be dependent on him. Yeah, um, you know, abusive tactics basically. Um, also because of the fact that on the set no one helped her, it kind of proves the narrative of. You know, he's in control. Um, So as their relationship progressed, um, it just got worse and worse. Uh, She's of Jewish uh, heritage and he is very clearly a Nazi, which is weird because... Yeah, he has a lot of Nazi memorabilia. But he's used Nazi memorabilia on his victims. Victims have cited that he's used... um, like i don't know nazi whips and shit to beat his victims yeah. stuff like that yeah and um, also wasn't he so during the time he was dating evan rachel wood she did say that he very clearly hated women yes he very cl- clearly hated the fact that she was jewish or would use that as a reason to really degrade her mm. and during the time that they were together he would purpose purposefully get um like swat stickers uh, tattooed all over his body so right he has so several several tattoos is, that resemble it, that yes they resemble it but they're not outright swastikas yeah yeah, yeah. which is i don't think you can do that right well there's a lot well there's a lot of um tattoo artists that refuse to do things Mm. like that but obviously if you'll start you can you can find someone i'm sure i am sure you can find someone um but that he's got one on his sternum like on his chest um which is the m's it's his it's yeah it's like an m with one leg extended but so to basically resemble a swastika because yeah. it goes around in that sort of shape. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, really just You know what weird? is really insane to me? What? When I was younger, all of this went over my head. Well, of course it did. You were a child. But yeah, which, you know what? As we were watching this documentary. It was kind of gross. It was really gross. But also I, like there's a point, especially in the first episode where she's talking about 
um you know what it was that drew her to manson in the first place and it really hit the nail on the head because i was shook you know when you're just like i can't i I relate to something yes. so much yeah. because he really did prey on that that demographic of people, young people especially, who did feel very alienated, disenfranchised. You know, they're going through that period of their life, especially when you're a teenager and you're very like, Bleh. like, you know, yeah, and you're, I hate everybody. Nobody I mean, understands me. Yeah, <laughs> and in the t- at the time as well, a lot more religious connotations. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was telling Nomi there was literally a video which they played and I was I, I had to I was taking a step out because I remember playing that video on repeat where he gives this speech at one of his concerts and I used to know that speech word for word because it resonated with me so much. And funnily enough, he um on that set and that speech he did it on a stand with a background that made it look like the Hitler speech. Yeah, which went over my head. And you know what's so funny? So my sister is 10 years older than me. And a lot of the music I got into, especially like the rock music I got into was because of, I grew up on it because of her. Yeah, And she liked Manson when she was a teenager. Mm. And then, you know, grew out of that phase. And I remember her always being like to me, he's such a poser. He's such a poser. Yeah. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, he just says a bunch of shit that's not intelligible. Like you think it's (laughs) intelligent, but he's saying a lot of nothing to make him sound intelligent and to draw young, impressionable people in. Well, it worked. Yeah, it worked. And even I remember her telling me very, when I was young and I didn't want to believe it. And she was like, well, he's very clearly a Nazi. Like, look at the fucking album art. And there's a CD that I have that had, um, it's like, it's in the shape, the actual CD itself is in the shape of a swastika with like the legs. Yeah. And I remember seeing that and I was like, how the fuck did I not realize that as a kid? And my sister- Because you don't want them to believe they're an actual Nazi. So it goes over your head. Also, he was actually- it is very clear that Manson has studied Hitler. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. very, very well, he clear. he really respects him. Yes. He, he even, like, that's what Evan said, that he um, he definitely, like... He knew how to control the masses. He knew how to speak publicly to get people yeah. to follow him. Yeah. And, he re- and Manson really respected that. Yeah. Because he wanted to yeah. do the same. And I think what was, again, really interesting, so when she says... Um, what I think I that's sort of where my line of thinking was when I was a teenager was everything he's doing is ironic it's meant to be a statement it's meant to be controversial because yeah. he's trying to make a statement against the mainstream yeah. and there's that yeah. interview with him for the bowling um bowling for Columbine Documentary for soup. Yeah, I was thinking uh, of that. <laughs> um documentary that he's featured on because he was obviously used as a scapegoat for that um because the shoot is oh my god he really that that scene that they used of him in the that documentary is him just saying a load of nothing well i remember thinking he's so smart that's so real like but if you really dissect it like this is the thing manson reminds me of people like azealia banks and um who's the other person i was gonna say 
uh, like Azealia Banks light, where essentially for every one interesting thing they say, there's a lot of kerfuffle after it. <laughs> it's like you can yeah. say one actually, oh, huh, yeah, that that's a good point. But then you just waffle on to keep on. Or just, just saying other shit as well, you know? And then it's yeah. like, oh, but, but, you know, he, the thing is, yeah, he knew how to control people. He was very charismatic and articulate. So he could say a load of nothing, but make you think he's saying something. And then you're, that's how he kind of put his hooks in you, right? Mm-hmm. And she was at that, I mean, she was a teenager when they met and she was clearly... Enamored by him. Yeah, she didn't have a lot of experiences um, in terms of her love life and, you know, all of that. Because again, she was a teenager. Mm. So he really, I hate to say it, but he basically had the perfect victim because he he knew what to do at that point. He was, he'd been married to Dita Von Tees. He was married to Dita Von Tees. At the time. Um, she's never publicly come out and said that he abused her, but she has mentioned in interviews that he has been violent around her. Yeah. Well, um, as in like, you know, you know, punching walls and stuff like that. Disruptive, disruptive d- Disruptive, behavior. yeah. And well, that he had, you know, terrible addiction issues, which obviously... Well, that was the grounds. Yeah, that was the grounds of of her filing the divorce. Yeah, um, but by then he'd already got his hooks into Evan. It's really disturbing, really disgusting. I mean, he branded her. They they have scar like he, she literally has scars of his initials on her body. Um, he's painted her all throughout their relationship, and you can. For even from his paintings, you can see the change in her. Um, it's, it's it's disturbing. Yeah. Uh, because it's clear that he enjoyed that. Mm. Um, or else why would you paint it? Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh God, in some fucked up way, he was probably like, you're my muse. And he wanted And he's her. morphing her into this broken person. Yeah. Um, but what I wanted to touch on, which is a bit more up to date. Um, so in the documentary, there is a part where uh, survivors get together and they talk about their experiences because their common link to each other is Manson. And so there's someone like uh, Evan Rachel Wood, who dated him. There's Ashley Walters, who was his assistant, and she... She had a lot of similar experiences to Evan, even though she didn't date him. Like, he would uh, lock her in rooms, mm. uh, sleep deprivation. She was technically trafficked because um, she was working with him and they would, you know, it, it gets very, all that legal the stuff. The drugs and the alcohol. Yeah, a lot of that as well. Um, but who I want to focus on is Ashley Lindsay Morgan Smithline. So she's a model and she has been quite public about her abuse uh, with Manson or experiencing abuse under Manson. Um, They dated briefly in 2010 and she states really similar experiences to Evan Mm. Rachel Wood. Uh, Even in the documentary, she kind of, you know, she pipes up and she talks about it as well. Um, And funnily enough, she did a an exclusive interview for people's magazine mm. uh me uh, like a couple years ago i think um where there are clear pictures of her showing her leg 
Yeah, the scarification. Uh, where he branded her. And yeah. it does it does look like two M's. Mm. Um and they look they look quite real. Um like one of them has a keloid on it, which, you know. I don't know if people want to say it's photoshopped or whatever. That means that everyone at People's Magazine will also be in on it. But that wouldn't be the case. Yeah. It just, you wouldn't also, as legally, a publication would not be able to do that. They could get sued. So yeah. they would not do that. Exactly. But it's there's a lot of... realistic. Um, yeah. So she went into a lot of detail in the People's Magazine interview about the abuse and obviously very the cover i mean this one page of it's her like a leg spread. It's, it's an a exclusive spread. spread but very recently i think it was january of this year ashley smithline came out and basically retracted everything she said about manson yeah and she is now suing evan rachel wood and potentially Ilma Gore, I think, um, for manipulation. Mm, mm. Now, I don't know how to feel about it. I have I have some comments because I understand why she would do it. Mm. But there is far more evidence of the abuse and what she went through actually being true compared to this declaration that she put out. Yeah, because I think... So obviously Manson, after um, Evan Rachel Wood named him publicly, um, <laughs> we were actually saying it was it oh. must be really funny. Like he would have seen that post go up on Instagram. He's just raging, raging at home in his house, like the fucking bitch. Can't believe she would fucking tell everyone this. I can't believe that. And do you think like after the documentary, if he watched it, because I can't, I I I refuse I, to believe a man like that would want to hear his name tarnished. No, I believe he would want to watch it because he's some sort of sick fuck. <laughs> or maybe, maybe I think he would because he's he's a narcissist. Of course, he'd want to know how and how he's being talked about yeah, yeah yeah for sure for sure um so maybe he's just at home watching the documentary like the fucking oh what a bitch i'm just imagining him getting the hbo subscription like just free, just for the that free trial just to watch it and he's just like i can't fucking i fucking hate this stupid i'm gonna, I'm gonna kill this bitch i'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna fucking kill her i'm gonna i'm gonna fucking end her life um, um yeah, yeah. It just the idea of him basically being a kyle at home punching his walls was really funny to us fucking hater oh my god she's so mean to me <laughs> but um also yeah so what um i was actually gonna bring this up because um so manson then is now well in the midst of well he initially sued or is in the process of suing Evan Rachel Wood and Ilma Gore mm, for defamation. For defamation and also fraudulent claims. But you know what's really interesting about that lawsuit? So um just as a another example, so Dong Bang Shinki. <laughs> I remember Yu Chin. Yeah. So there there's this South Korean pop band who I've definitely mentioned on yes. this uh pod before. Uh, <laughs> for many reasons the and they're called dbsk and um three of the former members who then who left sm which is the recording company uh later formed jyj so that includes jaejung kim jaejung kim junsu and park yuchun park yuchun 
was in military service because mm. you have to do that in Korea. And during, I don't even know how he had time. I don't know how he had time. But it started coming out that he had been visiting uh, some brothels in South Korea. And naughty, had sexually naughty. assaulted oh. um, a few of the workers there. Hmm. And, you know, it started off with one victim or alleged victim coming out and then it had a domino effect and i yeah. think it came up to i don't remember the exact amount but i'm gonna say 14 around 14 Shh. people women came Damn. forward and he uh sued them for the same reason of conspiracy against him mm. saying that all of their statements are very similar they've conspired against me to to uh, and because they were suing him as well. He used that as a, you know, a leg in his case, basically saying that they're doing it for the money. Da, 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 da. He won that case. So many, Yo, yeah, he won. Did that, he? He won that case. Um, or he, he managed to settle it. And I think a few of the women ended up retracting their statements. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So Dude, what a prick. Yeah. So, I mean, he's working to this day. He's He's out and about. That's insane. I think they had to quietly release him from JYJ. <gasps> but he's still under the label that JYJ is under. But they wow. don't publicly, they haven't publicly done an event together. So it's just implied that it's just Jung and Junsu now. Damn. Um, it's just JJ. The wire has left. <laughs> oh. Which is why I think it's really interesting. And the fact that um, Ashley Smithline has retracted. retracted you know she's recanted her allegations and i think it was actually um on to benefit manson's lawsuit it was to coincide with that it, it just didn't work out yeah it didn't work out the judge um actually denied to admit it because um, he was basically he uh well howard king who is uh Manson's lawyer, um, basically they didn't file it in time or they were right up the deadline's ass. Yeah. And basically that's when the judge was like, no, I'm not including that sorry, as evidence. Sorry, thank you, next. Yeah, so just to go into this uh, Ashley person, in her- <laughs> Miss Smithline. Miss Smithline. Um, what a long ass name. Yeah, just call her Miss, just call her Ashley Smithline. Yeah. Um. It's it's kind of sad, but let, let's go into it. So what did her declaration detail? So her declaration went on to say that in 2020, she was contacted by Ashley Walters, who um, used to work for Manson. He was uh, She was an assistant of his. And Ilma Gore to participate in a group meeting who had experiences with Manson. So remember in the documentary how he spoke about survivors getting together. Mm. It was, and it featured, you know, Ashley Walters, yes. Ashley Smithline. And um, it was being... Uh, filmed. Filmed. Mm -hmm. So that is when she first met with Evan Rachel Wood and other women who were affected by his behavior. Um, and they, there's this recurring thing that she says in the declaration where she explains that at various points, 
the people around her or in this meeting are saying that she's repressing her memories. Or she might be mis- uh, misremembering details. Yeah. Um, because she's like, oh no, that that particular thing didn't happen to me. Um, so they're like, oh, you're repressing memories to get by. Mm. Um, because obviously it's like a traumatic experience. And she then said in the declaration that she eventually started to believe it. And that the things that they were saying that happened to them also happened to her. Mm, mm. So she completely denies all of this in the declaration, says that there was no sexual violence and or non-consensual sex. Mm. She also, didn't she also say that um, Evan Rachel Wood and Ilma Gore of manipulating her into mm-hmm. making the allegations against Manson and also coercing her into thinking that these things had happened to her and in the declaration she also denies having any scarification yes manson which which is is a huge so this is inconsistency i guess yes so for me i understand why she put out the declaration um it's just her word there is no evidence attached there's no texts emails there's nothing attached to it it's just her recounting this thing and putting out a declaration a statement Mm. um but that is interesting because it's very public knowledge she did an exclusive interview with a spread with pictures of her scarification yeah which do look like Marilyn Manson's initials. Mm. Also, what I find really interesting is when she recanted her statement, her initial allegation, it doesn't really support Manson's specific claims in his lawsuit. No. Because it's not... At no point is she saying that... Like, if you're going to be talking about coercion, specifically you unless it was detailed that evan rachel wood and ilma gore or ashley walters um specifically tried to get her to admit to specific things that maybe she didn't experience so if she said did he do you know like almost leading the witness yeah yeah but um, at no point in the declaration does she was, mention that. was a hint of that. Yeah. And also, yeah, so she doesn't mention anything about the FBI letter. Which is a big smoking gun for Manson, or yeah. that he believes is a smoking gun. Yeah. Um, that's a huge part of, that's kind of what hinges his, his case. Yeah. And also the checklist. She doesn't mention that. No. She mentions being... You know, being in this group of women face to face, being in an environment where she felt manipulated to say more or to potentially fabricate yes details, and it's really interesting because the the video by Evie Lupine, mm. who kind of goes breaks down the entire declaration and you know sort of shares her analysis on it, and I think a really good point is. Number one, it doesn't really discredit the other victims and it doesn't make them unreliable because whilst maybe it's true that she felt coerced into saying something Mm. or maybe 
encouraged to say something. When you're in an environment like that, I think it's very understandable that you might have a herd mentality in some sense. Yeah. Where, you know, you feel you need to say certain things or maybe exaggerate certain details to Mm. be able to fit in. Yeah. And with something like sexual assault, you already feel invalidated by other people. Yeah. So you are going to want to validate your experiences. And there's that weird mentality of being like, well, if X, Y, Z didn't happen to me explicitly, am I still count? Do I still count as a sexual assault victim? Like maybe Mm. it wasn't that bad. Yeah. Am I still, do you know what I mean? Like you're constantly trying to bargain with yourself because that's how you process it. That's not to say what you're doing is, is wrong or that makes you a bad person it's a completely human thing to do Mm. because you feel like you have to almost justify your experiences yeah to be able to fit in especially in an environment like that where i'm not saying it's like people feel competitive i know some people can be like that but i can understand that Mm, that mm. sort of mentality of wanting to prove yourself in that kind of an environment Mm -hmm. so there's that part of it and then also with the points about Evan and Ilma saying oh potentially could you be repressing your memories could you be misremembering things I think that's still that's a very um legitimate line of questioning considering that we know we know that about trauma we know the effect it has on memory yeah Um, and also the we know that manson used would heavily drug his his victims and his partners mm. so that also can contribute to memory loss to blank spots in your memory do you know what I mean yeah so it doesn't necessarily discredit the other victims or imply that they are falsifying anything that she's saying yeah or like getting together out of revenge and anger and like plotting against her or like goading her into saying specific things like into admitting specific things so mm. I mean it's unfortunately made her an unreliable person yeah yeah and now we can't really take what she says um completely to heart or believe every thing yeah um, which is really unfortunate because um there are literal pictures online of her battered face yeah there are pictures of her scarification also there are over 16 women who have come forward publicly against manson So it's not so far-fetched to believe that she also would have experienced that considering they dated. Mm. Um, Yeah. And it's, I mean, she came out, I think the first time she talked about the abuse without citing the abuser was in 2019 Mm. when Evan Rachel Wood posted something online on her Instagram about being an abuse survivor. And at Mm. that time, she obviously not cited Manson. And um, Ashley Smithline commented on it. Yeah. Citing really similar experiences. But also she was detailing things that hadn't even been disclosed to the public. Yeah. 
So things only things that she had experienced. Yeah. So but then, turned out to be similar. Yeah. So then again, it doesn't really follow Manson's legal narrative no. that he's trying to put out that they all conspired against him. They had like a checklist of things that they were going to say. There was scripting involved, all of that, you know? Um also I think in response to her declaration, uh, Evan Rachel Wood, I don't know where she shared this, if it was like she submitted it as like evidence, but um, there were DMs between her and Ashley Smithline where they're talking about their experiences and it goes into a lot of detail. Yeah. A lot of detail. Um, These communications need to be verified by the courts because yeah. obviously if they're dms they could be falsified or photoshopped um so we'll we'll have to wait and see what the courts determine because if they if they believe it to be true then this will be used as evidence um mm. and also it disproves that ashley smithline was contacted by the survivors yeah it's it's actually that she reached, reached out. out first. Yeah. Um, but she goes against that in the declaration. I think it's really unfortunate and it's really sad. And I don't really hold any blame towards Ashley. No. Because I think it's a really difficult situation to be put in. Since she's come out publicly and named him, she has been harassed incessantly yeah. online. Yeah. People were taking pictures of her battered face, mm. bloody, bruised, fully battered. Yeah. And was saying, and were memeing the fuck out of her, yeah. saying, oh, she must have had botched surgery. Look, she has so much plastic surgery. She looks like ass. Yeah. And it's, she was completely torn down online yeah. every yeah. day for years. And then obviously this documentary comes out and it just gets worse. Yeah, it because... kind of like it re- reignites the, the flame really. Yeah, it? and people or the public really saw her as the weak link, which I mean, they I, I genuinely think that people broke her down to be able to make this declaration so that she could sort of get away from it yeah but it's again so the reason i brought up the park Uton situation is that it's not uncommon for victims to then retract their statements after they've named their abuser publicly mm. especially when they're such a public figure yeah do you know what i mean and also beloved by yeah millions right like in the case of Uton. He's someone that's been in the industry for over 10 years. You know, he was yeah. part of one of the biggest boy groups in South Korea. One of their biggest exports. And you're telling, and he's, this is during his military service. People are going to be lethal. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. People are so, especially they have the stan culture is so strong there. So you can only imagine the amount of hate these women were getting. And then with Ashley Smithline, you know, when compared to Evan Rachel Wood, she's not as famous. Let's put it that yeah, way. Yeah, she's a model. Yeah. And so people are going to use that as a reason. I mean, they're already using 
they're trying to discredit Evan Rachel Wood and say that she's using this for money, which it's like, bitch has been successful for, for instance, day. Like, why would she be needing money? She doesn't need any more. She's getting bank. Yeah. I mean, she just came off of Westworld. Like, why does she need money? Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. if anything, he needs money. Yeah. He's literally selling his house so he can get more money for the lawsuit. Yeah. Man is broke. Um, so people are obviously going to be using that against her. So I don't really blame her. And it's not uncommon for victims to retract their statements. Yeah. Especially when that person is such a public figure and will have the means to put a lot of pressure on these people. Yeah. yeah. And then Howard King, who represents Manson, allegedly tried to contact her without legal counsel. Mm. which is super shady. unethical shady. <laughs> yeah so did we don't know what that means at the moment there's potential to hear the voicemail that he left on her phone in mm. court that might be used as evidence but at the moment it's hearsay we we don't know it's she said he said we don't know what's really going on um in that department it's a very watery case yeah so it? did king um contact her to try and settle did he Mm. want her to turn on the other women Mm. you know he basically she said to evan rachel wood at one point that howard king contacted her you know saying oh manson wants to apologize he wants to you know would you like to talk to him on the phone like you can see why she would be drawn into that orbit or his orbit again you know, your abuser is basically reaching out with an olive branch going, mm. I want to apologize for my behavior. Or, you know, however, what they said, maybe, oh, they don't, be- no one believes you, you're being harassed, you can make it go away. Yeah. You know, she has been fighting and being very public about the abuse she encountered for however many years now. And she is, it, I'm not going to blame her because I don't know if any normal person could deal with that yeah, on a daily basis. It. Yeah, I was going to say what it reminds me of is um, unbelievable, uh, unbelievable. Yeah, great which series on re- Netflix. Yeah, which is a great example of number one, the process of reporting sexual assault. And everything that comes with it, but also just, uh, we've talked about this again uh, previously, you know, what it means to be a victim and what it means to be a believable victim. Yeah. And it's really unfortunate, again, in that series, one of the main characters um, is seen as very unreliable Mm. and constantly goes back and forth between her statements. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because you know she's she feels pressured to you know retract her statement but then she feels pressured from other parties to then speak up and you know otherwise it could happen to other women and she has a responsibility and it's so it's a lot of pressure (laughs) and so I can imagine anyone would buckle under that pressure Mm. and it's really I think the whole Ashley Smith line situation is very upsetting, to be honest. Very, very upsetting. It's really upsetting. I I just think, you know, 
it shouldn't be used as an example to then discredit the other alleged victims mm. but also it should really be it they shouldn't be using this as a reason to just completely discredit her because it's just really upsetting it's really difficult and it's it's an individual issue yeah and you can't you will never know the pressures of it unless you're going through it yourself like mm. how are you supposed to i don't know so on a similar vein uh esme bianco settled her lawsuit against manson um and she she said in order to move on with her life and career so mm. you know if i'm if I'm comparing the two, I'm still not going to, again, I'm not going to blame Esme Bianco for settling because it is a very arduous and labor intensive yeah, process. And expensive. It's expensive. Plus, they, they these women have dealt with enough. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't, I don't see it as a horrible thing for them to, you know, either settle or retract statements. It takes a lot for you to speak out in general so if you guys do want to go watch the phoenix rising documentary great but a little bit of warning it goes into quite a lot of detail of abuse torture uh you know they talk about ptsd and the effects from that trauma um but yeah he is a vile vile human being Mm. and he's been very open about it um he's done interviews on tv shows saying uh, there was one time where he publicly said that he would smash uh her head in with a sledgehammer um in reference to evan rachel wood because she left him yeah one time um or a couple of times even yeah and he fucking openly admitted to like calling her about 158 times yeah and and cutting himself whenever she didn't pick up yeah that was very public. He also had uh, an autobiography that he wrote about Long how... road out of hell. Mm. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I would know. <laughs> Where he detailed uh, basically beating his mom in the face and not giving a shit and smashing a glass bottle on her. Yeah, he threw a glass bottle at her face um, and, like, scarred her. Yeah, and he had... And he very... Uh, <laughs> openly writes that he felt nothing in that moment towards her yeah i yeah we'll see how it progresses and where it goes but um i wouldn't be surprised if we see a lot more of the alleged victims settling and potentially retracting statements because mm-hmm. it's it's not uncommon um as we have seen from the Yuchen case i just hope that doesn't give manson like a leg up yeah yeah for for the case to be sort of settled quietly and him to just go back to his career which to be honest he seems like a nightmare to work with he his career was coming to an end in itself girl it's not just the women he dated that have issues with him it's literally his previous bandmates people who've been on tour with him um you said that rob zombie famously doesn't want to ever work with him again because he's a piece of shit they um they um because he started on him during a concert and uh they had to cancel the tour because they refused to work with each other he famously fell out with trent reznor as well from nine inch nails Mm. um he's had countless assistants that have come out um 
saying that he's abusive and would rope them into his, you know, verbal abuse. Um, so he's, it's not just he's past not, lovers. Yeah, he's not a nice person in general. He's he has he's a narcissist who was able to get um, loads of fame and money, uh, which I'm sure he loved. Uh, and now he should be another blink in history. So yeah, I mean, that was another episode of Really Bitch. It's it's not it's not an easy topic to talk about or hear about, but it's happening. It's out there. Mm, it's important to keep up with it just to see how it manifests and what will happen and yeah. what this could potentially mean for future victims. Yeah, and you know, I mean, if we've learned from previous trials um, and how cases like this have gone previously i mean you know i've i've been mentioning the yuchin case but also more recently the amber heard and johnny depp case Mm. you know he won he got the settlement um which was uh, yeah it 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 just it is what it it is. is what it is and it says a lot so i i don't know how this is gonna go um but we'll see. We shall see. Yeah, we'll see it play out. I'm sure there'll be another update in the future. Uh, but until then... Until then, join us next week to listen to what has a saying, really, bitch. Bye! Really, bitch. 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 I'm Wombat. No. (laughs) Are you? Are you?